Blog Talk Radio. Hi, good evening, folks. It's Israel Hampton. Welcome to this week's edition of Government 2.0 Radio on Blog Talk Radio. I'm here with uh, Laurel Ruma. Uh, Laurel, am I saying your last name right? Yes. Uh-huh. Great. And, and Laurel is with O'Reilly Media. And I've also got uh, Dustin Heisler on the line, and Dustin will be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, Dustin is from Manor, Texas. We're going to be talking about innovation in local government, uh, especially some of the great initiatives going on in Manor. Uh, but first, uh, uh, Laurel, I'm uh, glad you're able to join us on short notice. I know that O'Reilly Media is putting on a, a free uh, web Gov2O event uh, in, a, in a week or so. Yeah, we're actually calling it an online conference. So it's the um, Government 2.0 online conference, and it's going to be on Thursday, December 10th. And this is a free event. So it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's three hours long, and what we've done is really focused on um, five actual cases of what you know, real-world Gov2O examples. Um, this started back in September when we had the Gov2O Expo Showcase right before the Gov2O Summit in D.C. And basically we did a call for proposals and had 25 fantastic five-minute presentations in five different categories. So the winners of each category, based on audience vote, um, presented the next day at the Gov2O Summit. And uh, what we've done here for this online conference is actually asked these five winners to come back and give 15-minute presentations, so it's a bit longer than five minutes. And then we're also allowing for 15-minute Q&A with the audience who can call in or tweet or you know, talk um, on the online back channel, really just have more of a participatory um, event. And like I said, it's free. It's during the day, so people can kind of keep one eye on at work and one eye on the conference as we go along. That's great. And, and where can people find it? Where do they go to participate in the event to find out more about it? If they have questions, kind of do some research about the folks who are going to be speaking. Um, you can actually go right to this is a bit of a long URL, but if you um, just search Gov2O Online Conference O'Reilly, you'll find it. But um, the full URL is uh, slash slash en.oreilly.com slash gov2fall09. Um, it'll also be on the MainOReilly.com website under um, online conferences. So it's um, it's going to be a really great event, and the people who will be participating um, are Peter Coates from the City of Santa Cruz, um, Text for Africa. We have um, Merrick Schaefer, and then uh, Rita King is doing her fantastic uh, presentation about digital diplomacy. Uh, then we also have Jeff Nigler from um, Utah, the safety media portal guy who, if anyone remembers him, came on stage with his full uniform on. And finally, Melissa Jordan from BART, the Bay Area Rapid Transit, who will be talking about um, what they're doing out in San Francisco with Gov2O initiatives. Great. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. I'm a, I'm a uh, 10-year BART writer, so it's, it's great to see them involved in Gov2O. And I know Utah was really uh, uh, has been a leader in this space from the get-go. And then Santa Cruz, what they're doing with uh, citizen participation is really cool. So you're saying that the, the five folks who are presenting were the winners at Gov2O Expo? Right, at the showcase. So um, we did the five-minute lightning round, and then these were the winners. So yes. Um, Merrick Schaefer is, is from UNICEF, and his presentation is actually pretty cool. It's about just you know simplifying technology to just using cell phones in Africa to report back child um, 
starvation rates, et cetera. So it, sometimes it's, it's not even bringing complicated technology to a government. It's, it's simplifying things to just transmit information from one agency to another or another person to another. So. Great. And I will, um, since it's a, a longer URL, folks can find that at the, the O'Reilly main website under online conference. I'll also put a link on uh, the show page here. Uh, so people can check that out, and as well as put it out on some of the Twitter feeds. Um, and, and you and uh, Mark Trapeau are going to be uh, hosting that conference, is that so? Yes. Myself and uh, Cheeky Geeky on Twitter, Mark Trapeau, are the um, co-chairs for the Gov2O Expo, which is actually coming up in May. It will be the last week of May, and it will be again in D.C. And that's an event that's a conference, really, for everyone to attend. There's... Um, we have the call for proposals that's open now until next week, and we're really looking for a broad range of different kind of um, presentations and um, interesting topics for people to talk about because you know people really want to get into the nitty gritty. We want to talk about what challenges are happening and and, and what are the real things that people are kind of coming against. Um, everyone kind of has their own examples in Boston. There's been a lot of talk about social media and what are the regulations for government employees using social media at work. And so it's pretty important, um, and that's just one example that um, we're seeing really all across the country. So people really want to get their hands dirty and start figuring stuff out. So we're, um, again, the call for proposals is open, and that URL is gov2expo.com, and that conference will be in Washington, D.C., May 25th to the 27th. And we're putting together the program committee and really lining up a fantastic um, conference where you can choose your own path of what presenters you want to see. And there will even be some, oh, a workshop day where you can kind of hone in on some specific skills around uh, Gov2O and, and what we're kind of looking at for the future of it. Well, that's great. Thank you uh, so much, Laurel, for joining me uh, today. And uh, this, this podcast will be uh, available. We'll probably highlight the, uh, the event in the URL again uh, next week. Uh, Cheeky Geeky gets around. Mark Trapeau is doing another event uh, that I was going to highlight with uh, Mark Amtower. Mark Amtower is uh, he's the uh, mind behind governmentmarketmaster.com. He does uh, uh, a lot of business-to-government uh, work. And uh, Mark Amtower is putting on social networking for B2G uh, on uh, December 7th. Uh, I guess that is, is Monday, December 7th. And uh, he's going to have Mark Drapeau, who's been a past guest on Government 2.0 Radio and I'm sure will be a future guest, uh, as well as Chris Dorabeck, who's going to be uh, joining us uh, as a guest here at Government 2.0 Radio uh, in the new year, and also Debbie Wheel. Uh, so I wanted to highlight that event. If you want to find out more about it, you can go to governmentmarketmaster.com. I want to bring in uh, Dustin Heisler from uh, City of Manor. And Dustin, you're a CIO and you're also uh, a judge. Is that uh, is that so? That's correct. We're a uh, we're a pretty small town, so we wear we wear multiple hats. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was appointed municipal judge probably about seven months ago. So. Now, do you have to have a law degree to do that, or, or are you? Uh, uh, we're not a court of records, so uh, you don't have to be an attorney. You just have to go through mandatory state training. So I had to go okay. through like a, a week of law school on crack. So uh, <laughs> a lot of fun, learned a lot, but it gave me a unique perspective to to analyze the technology of the court. And, to try and, to and how how big is Manor, Texas? 
We're about 5,800 people. It's actually Manor. Uh, Manor, Manor, yeah. I'm sorry. A lot of people say Manor, uh, but it's Manor. We're about 5,800 people. Uh, back in 2000, we were about 1,200, so we've grown significantly uh, in the past. Wait, wait, when were you 1,200? Back in 2000. Okay, okay. Wow. So, uh, so we've taken off, and we're about 5,800 people, about 13,000 in the area. So, uh, getting, getting so I know a little bit of, of the story of, of how you've brought the town of Manor, Texas, 5,800 people to kind of national, international prominence in the Gov 2.0, Web 2.0 world. Um, some of it I know because uh, Luke Fretwell of GovFresh, uh, you know, told me I, I had to check out what you, what you were up to. But can you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about some of the projects that uh, that you've been working on and maybe some of the impetus behind them, and we'll get into some some back and forth here. Sure, absolutely. Well, the innovation. And, and first, of- thanks so much for joining joining uh, Go to a Radio tonight, and um, happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Glad to be on it. Uh, well, the innovation kind of started uh, back when we were looking at a solution for in-car computer systems. Uh, basically, we had one route, and that was the industry route, and that was kind of unacceptable from a financial perspective to us. Uh, we have a very small IT budget. And I guess to start at the, the ground floor, you know, four years ago, Maynard didn't even have a server, and uh, we had no technology infrastructure whatsoever. And um, so we had to build it basically from the ground up. And so we started, you know, implementing, consolidating, and, and trying to do everything, but we have to do things on the cheap. We're constricted because uh, we don't have a very big commercial tax base. So our IT budget last year was 107000 and we actually came in 20% under budget, which was uh, a surprise. So uh, so basically back to the in-car computer system, we didn't have the funds to go out and to deploy the industry uh, standard, the, the tough book, and so we had to create our own solution using a, a thin client. And so uh, that, you know, kind of worked well, and we thought, you know, if we can do that, what else can we do, and, you know, how else can we help small agencies that are dealing with the same problems. So the next project was document management, and uh, we were looking for a barcode solution, but I wanted a solution that we wouldn't have to go out and buy an industry barcode reader. So I discovered the QR code, which stands for Quick Response Barcode. It came out of Japan in 1991. And the cool thing about the QR code is you can actually read QR codes with your cell phone. And there's an app in the iPhone App Store, and I can give you links that you can post up. There's there's over a 1,000 different phones that can decode these barcodes. So that was kind of our solution for document management, and the city manager and I sat down in his office one day, and we thought, you know, this has got a lot of potential for transparency, economic development, and many other government uses. And the greatest benefit to QR codes is they're free to make and they're free to read, which is a plus for government. So uh, we started pasting them up all over town, and we've got 24 fixed-mounted QR codes deployed throughout Maynard, and there are, um, there's a QR code on every city vehicle and on every city police car. And basically how it works is, uh, for instance, we just built a half a million gallon elevated storage tank, and we have to put up these you know, traditional signs that say this is a capital project using your tax money, la-di-da, and we put a barcode up in addition to that. And our residents can go and they can scan it, and they can see you know, real-time information on that project. They can see if there were any change orders on that project, if there were any vendors. And uh, since each QR code is configured as a physical hyperlink, it takes them to a mobile website optimized for their phone. And the benefit there is that we can change the content on the website with, without actually changing the barcode itself. So that allows us to move them around town and, um, you know, put them in different projects and update the project information. We never have to print a new QR code. Uh, they're all printed on aluminum that's weatherproof. 
So that was that was our QR code project. That was kind of our first um, you know innovative project that caught some media attention. We've done a lot with RFIDs, and uh, we've worked with a company out of Belgium called Touch It Tag, and we've got uh, 15 actually of those QR code signs also have um, RFID tags on them where you can uh, literally touch your NFC phone to a tag and get the same content delivered wirelessly. And we're also working on a new prototype uh, that reverses that, where if you're a tourist, um, you can take your little tourist card and touch it to any building in Maynard, and your phone will ring with information about you know where you're at. So true location-based services. And total price tag that we're running right now is uh, $0 still. So uh, then we, uh, we worked with the Persuasive Technology Lab at Stanford University uh, with a program called PSTOT that just launched back in October, uh, October 27th. And uh, that's Maynard Labs, and that's the one that's kind of caught everyone's attention. And basically what that does is it crowdsources the innovation process for Maynard. And uh, our goal there was to bridge the divide between citizens and government but uh, to not only build innovative ideas, but to build citizen engagement as well. Uh, for those that, you know, can't come to council meetings and can't keep up, we wanted a different way. You know, everyone can go and subscribe to a newsletter on a government website, but we wanted a way that we can actually engage our citizens and make them participate in the political process. So we launched that just about a month ago. Um, it's powered by Spigot. And uh, the great thing about the platform is the users are ranked and rewarded uh, for each idea that they submit. And... Uh, so they get tangible benefits for, for participating in the platform. And uh, that's kind of the one, one of the great benefits of the platform itself um, compared to the other platforms that we looked at that uh, crowdsourced innovation is that we can actually offer you know, the citizens in any one of the world tangible benefits to help participate in the innovation process in Maynard. And the second element of Maynard Labs is collaboration. But the one thing I noticed in government, I came from private sector banking, and the one thing I noticed is that uh, Everyone's working to solve the same problems. It's just on different scales. And there's no collaboration that really exists, uh, no concrete collaboration platform that exists to share information. So we want to use Maynard Labs to share information with other agencies and other cities uh, across the planet uh, to, to share what we're doing and to learn from others. And uh, we uh, launched an initiative with GovFresh um, that's called Maynard 2.0 Live Innovation from Small Town, Texas to basically highlight some of the things that we're doing and not just to put out, you know, here's what we're doing in Maynard, but we want to learn what other people are doing. We want to, you know, empower our citizens to go out and read some of the other stories on GovFresh about what other agencies are doing and, you know, help, you know, suggest better ideas and, and learn from, from basically all the collective ideas that are already out there. So that's live right now. It's at um, maynard.govfresh.com. And it provides uh, the good thing about GovFresh is it's kind of unbiased in the trench reporting, and that's one of the things that I really like about the the website. Um, and so we're going to continue to publish live innovation and, and keep everyone up to date with what we're doing, and uh, hope to get feedback from it. And if anyone's got any ideas, you know, feel free to, uh, to email us at innovations at cityofmainer.org or use our platform. And that's one of the other key components of uh, Mainer Labs is it's completely open. And a lot of people think that I'm crazy when I said no. It's not just you know. It's not restricted to citizens of Maynard. It's open to anyone. And we've got a lot of strategic partnerships with companies all over the world to basically help build technology, to help create the future is what we say in Maynard. Um, and by working with these companies, we're helping other cities and other agencies by helping uh, develop some new technologies. And we're kind of like a, a guinea pig test bed for a lot of innovative technologies that we have ongoing. So we, we leave it completely open. Um, anyone that's listening can go to maynardlabs.org, and they can sign up for an account 
They can vote on ideas. They can participate. They're rewarded for their participation. They can blog. They can cash in for, you know, cool rewards that have been donated by local merchants and local businesses. And it's really a, a neat platform. It's an engaging platform, and we hope to continue to grow it and get some other cities on board as well. So, Dustin, how did this all start? When, when I mean, time-wise, you said it started with the QR codes and kind of went from there. Uh, are you fairly new to, to Mainer, or...? I've been in Mainer for almost four years now. Um, I came from banking, and um, so about three and a half years ago is kind of when all the innovation started. And it wasn't just me. Uh, we have a very progressive uh, city government. We have a very progressive council, very progressive uh, city manager that are open to experimenting and to testing. And they, they all understand that, you know, sometimes you have to take risk in order to uh, have rewards. And we've had product failures and prototype failures, but we've learned from that and kind of picked up and, and gone on. So it's been about three years, I think, of, of innovating. And the the QR codes, was that kind of the first big um, project you did? Or, or, yeah, that or was our first stuff that that was our first big project that we did, and it had never been done before, which made it a little complicated. Um, but we wanted to uh, – we saw the potential there. We saw that – and we actually go around. The city manager and I travel, and we were just in D.C. Um, a couple weeks ago talking about social media. And one of the other things we tell other agencies about is QR codes and how they can use them. And everyone always says, you know, what's the catch? Where's the cost? Well, there is no cost. The only cost associated is the cost of the material you print it on. So uh, when we give a speech, we typically have it printed on a cake, and we demonstrate with our cell phones, of you know, various cell phones, iPhones and Windows mobile phones and Android phones, um, you know, how easy it is to read and how easy it is to deliver information to, you know, constituents. And uh, so that's, that was the first big project that Maynard had. And then from there we thought, you know, we're, we're unstoppable. <laughs> we, can, you know, we can continue to innovate and, and harness, you know, our citizens and the resources that we have in Maynard um, to basically come up with some good solutions and share them with the world. And uh, the, the QR code thing is is really interesting. You point your phone at it. I mean, what do you what do you do? How do you actually use it so when somebody's walking iPhone, around town? <laughs> if you have an iPhone, you can. There's several different apps. Um, there's one called QR app. There's another one called Enigma uh, i N I G M A in the App Store. They're all free. Um, and basically, you install the app on your phone. Um, and you can walk around any of the barcodes. They all look the same. Uh, the QR codes all look the same, but they're all different. And so if you walk up to one of our projects, you literally launch the app and just point your phone at the QR code, and it automatically detect it and launch your uh, web browser. And then it will ask you, you know, are you sure you want to navigate to the City of Maine or, you know, web space? And you hit OK, and then it takes you to a mobile site for that particular barcode. So it's basically information on demand is what we say. It's a new uh, method of information dissemination for government because, you know, everyone subscribes to newsletters, but how many people really, you know, are engaged by it or, you know, how, how many newsletters actually make you want to participate in the political process or learn about your town? So we took things that we got calls on all the time, like we have a, we have a lift station. I don't know if you know what a lift station is, but uh, it's basically something that moves sludge uphill and we got calls all the time about what is this funky, you know, piece of equipment that's on the side of the road, you know, that's restricted with a, a fence. So we put a barcode on there, and that dropped our calls because people could go by and they could scan it, and it takes them to a wiki page about how it works, and, and they can actually see, you know, this is what this is for, this is what it does, and so it engages them to then go around and go, well, I want to know what this is. You know, I want to know what this is. And our goal is also to interface it to uh, 
we've got it on all our vehicles now with emergency contact information, but we're building an interface for our work order system. So if you see a city truck parked in your neighborhood and there's no one in it and you want to know why that truck's in your neighborhood, any resident can go and scan the truck and see exactly what they're supposed to be doing at that very moment in time. So it increases efficiency and transparency, all while while, uh, maintaining minimal cost. And uh, how, how have citizens actually re- reacted to this? I mean, out of, out of 5,800 people, how many do you have do you think that are actually taking their, their phones and, and pointing them at these things? And- it's grown significantly. We launched it in uh, March of uh, – it's been two years now, uh, almost two years since we've had it. And when we first put it up, you know, we had people that thought it was one of those pictures you stare at for a long time and you see an image that pops out. At- I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, but it's grown significantly since then, and uh, the only hard thing is uh, differentiating uh, tourists from actual residents, because we get a lot of people that um, actually fly in to come and see it. We've had people from Australia and people from Ireland and you know other cities across the world that are interested in uh, launching pilots off of Mainers. So we've had a lot of hits there, uh, but it's grown significantly. Um, we have some very popular codes. We can always. Since it links to a mobile website, we can track hits on each code. We know exactly what time of day people are doing it. We know exactly where they're at. Um, so we can track all of that since it links to a website. So that way we can optimize the content for their phone and uh, for the time of day that they use it. So we've also started working with some local businesses. We have a local developer that has begun placing these on all their for sale signs to give people more interactive information about their properties, all from the browser, from the mobile phone. So um, it's it's grown considerably. We put out a QR code white paper. It's posted to uh, the city website, to the Facebook page, to the um, all the different feeds that we have that actually has some numbers on there, and you can see some of the growth and some of the uses that we have. So I'll also send you a link to that so you can put it out there too. Um, and our goal is, you know, if anyone's got any questions about the technology or if they, you know, want help or, you know, they want us to talk about it, you know, we can do Skype, you know, presentations. We're willing to help out whenever we can. However we can, we've helped a few cities launch their own programs, and we're just hoping to see this technology embraced by government and uh, to help show people the value behind it. And I mean, definitely it sounds like there's a benefit, too, in, in your small town in Texas, and you, you've got tourists flying in from all over. You've had some uh, significant news coverage, I think, just of, of the QR codes project before Manor Labs launched, right? Absolutely, we did. Uh, government technology, I think, ran a few pieces on it, and, and our uh, the Austin uh, American Statesman also ran a piece on it. And so uh, we got some bites off of that, and you know, helped some people launch some some different programs, and have helped some schools. And uh, I think we're in a couple of weeks. We're going to uh, Deleon, Texas, to uh, speak about these QR codes there as well. And we just got back from Colorado City a couple months ago, so. It's starting to spread, and we, we enjoy helping people, um, especially smaller towns that you know are very limited on what they can expend on technology. It's, it's very neat to show them a free technology that they can use that revolutionizes their operations and engages their population base. And can you use these just like a traditional barcode as far as inventory tracking and, and oh, that absolutely. kind of absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they're... We use them for asset tagging, um, so we can tag, you know, our computers with them. Um, we also have them, you know, just on the back of our business cards. So if I give you my business card and you have the app on your phone, you can scan it and you can actually add me directly to your contacts, um, all off of that barcode. So, and that's part of the reason why we have them out, like on the vehicles. So if one of our guys is, you know, pumping gas and a resident sees it and they go, you know, what is that funky barcode that I've seen everywhere? I don't know how to use it. They can show them right then and there. You know, here's what it is. They can demonstrate it on their truck, and uh, they can help them install it on their phone. 
And so uh, that's part of the reason why we go to some of the schools in the area to, to teach the kids about how to use it because then they go home and they teach their parents and then say, Mom, I want to go to Maynard and, you know, scan some of their barcodes and see how it works. And it kind of brings, you know, history to life, too. We've tagged a lot of uh, historical buildings in Maynard. Um, with, you know, we have pictures and audio and all kinds of things on there that people can scan and, you know, get a lot more interactive information that they can't get from a typical historical marker. Wow, and and all of the so the back end of it, you uh, fill out the web pages that correspond to the code, and then you generate the code off a website, or how do how do you generate the well, code? Well, the code itself, um, and there's several ways to generate it. You can use an online generator, and I have links in our QR code white paper. Um, there's some programmers at Google um, that created a program called Zebra Crossing um, that you can generate one online. You just type in a URL that you want it to point to. And uh, you hit generate, and it makes you a barcode um, that you can then, you know, put on the back of a business card. You can just save it as a picture. You can do whatever you want with it. So each one of our QR codes is, is a URL, um, a specific URL um, that takes them to a specific website. And then we just know we also have the signs numbered, so we know which website's which, um, so that way we can update the content with wherever we put the actual sign itself. And. Now, do you have to do all of this, or do you have an, an IT staff there? I do not have an IT staff. I'm a one-man IT shop. So this, that's kind of how a lot of small towns are in Texas. There's, there's yeah, no, I, I would guess so. But And <laughs> so you're actually uh, writing these web pages for the historical buildings and whatnot? Yes, yes, and it's not too hard, and, uh, and we've got a lot of people empowered. I don't actually compile the history. I let our city manager do the history, and we've had you know, yeah. residents that bring us history and we can update it at you know any time, any moment. It's real easy to do. Wow. Well, and then we go from a one-man IT shop to being uh, featured on the White House website with Manor Labs, right? And that's a project with Stanford. Yes, it's a project with Stanford, and uh, it's a really neat project um, because basically it takes our one-man IT shop and expands it to the world. Um, anyone can participate in the innovation process in Manor, and we've had. You know, it's been live for a month, and I'm sitting here looking at my page now. We have tons of ideas in the incubation stage, and there's there's multiple stages. And the the newspaper in Austin called it uh, not your typical suggestion box, and that's a good way to describe it. Um, you know, a typical suggestion box, you drop an idea in it. You don't know what happens to that idea unless it's implemented. Uh, but now, you know, anyone can submit an idea, and they can track it through the process. And if we don't implement it, we have to give them a reason. It's ultimate accountability to our constituents. Because they see, you know, let's say someone suggests an idea about, you know, the police department, you know, doing some type of new patrolling in a different area of town, and we determine that area is not in our jurisdiction, we can respond and other people can see that. So they know, ah, okay, that's not in their jurisdiction. I've always wondered that, you know. Um, and so it allows us to, you know, basically engage them in two-way dialogue and, and uh, build participation in that regard. So we've had... Uh, See, I've got 36 ideas sitting in incubation stage. I've got four that are in validation, three that are in emergence, and two that have actually been implemented. And so the different stages are, are automatic, and they're built into the Spigot platform. And so when an idea is submitted, it goes into incubation stage. And it's going to have so many votes. It's going to have so many comments and so much buzz behind the idea. And then once it meets all of that criteria, it automatically goes to the validation stage. And then that's when we actually look at it, and the department heads will go in and say, They'll review it. Uh, we've got different metrics that we, that we uh, review the ideas on, so they can go in and review it. And uh, if it's approved, it goes to the emergent stage. And at that stage, we try to figure out cost, you know, a, a creative way to pay for it, 
Uh, we also may do a pilot. Uh, like one of our ideas that was implemented, we did a pilot on it was uh, auto debit utility billing. And uh, so we ran a pilot to make sure that it worked, and, uh, and it did. And so now that idea has been implemented. And so as it goes through the stages, the person that put it in there can uh, recruit team members on the idea. Each idea has its own wiki uh, database uh, for each idea, so they can actually go in and uh, do some development on it right then and there and uh, build you know, basically an, an amazing database of uh, information. And uh, then when it's implemented, uh, the person that submitted the idea is rewarded. There's leaderboards, so you can you know, track who's on top and uh, people are ranked for their participation. So if someone goes on and uses it as a political soapbox and people start you know, demoting their ideas, uh, their ranking falls as a result. So it's a way on a top level that we can see which users provide value to the system, and other people can see that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things about these, uh, yeah, an open suggestion box is that uh, not only do people see if their idea is being acted on, but you've got other people uh, vetting it, basically, right? So yeah, there's exactly. Your, there's your IT hand. staff, right? Or, or that's your, right. Uh, that's right. You're an analytical staff, right? You've got the whole <laughs> world looking at, at Manor Labs. That's right, and it's been you know it's been great. We've had a lot of good ideas submitted. Um, we've had a lot of companies pick up on some of the ideas and actually you know want to um, do basically a pilot, and uh, and they'll pay for the idea to pilot it. So basically, we're hoping that you know these ideas aren't just for Maynard because uh, we want to share all of these things uh, with the world, and we want to you know if there's a way that we figure out to do something better, we're going to share that and make it as you know as accessible as possible to other agencies, and that's our goal is to basically. You know, take these smaller agencies or even the larger agencies that, you know, have you know, something that they've got to implement and they just don't have the funds. And, you know, I always hate uh, financing technology because by the time you're, you know, done paying for the debt, the technology is so obsolete. Um, so we want to provide a way that, you know, people can implement some amazing technologies at a fraction of the price. Um, and so that's the collaboration element of Maynard Labs is, you know, we want other cities on board telling us, you know, here's what we've done. It's been good. Here's what we've done that hasn't worked. Um, they can vote for the ideas. And then we have a research tab actually on there where we're going to start posting a lot of our research. Uh, we've done a lot with RFIDs and um, you know, more QR codes. We're working with the University of Trento, Italy, on a new QR code pilot that uh, may even make QR codes more valuable to government, um, and that should roll out later, um, probably early next year. So we've got several different projects that we want to share information with and, and get people's feedback. You know. Right away, we don't want to wait till the project's over. We want to know, you know, now. We want ultimate collaboration and live collaboration. So that's kind of why we use our GovFresh page to say, here's what we're working on, here's what we're doing. We're going to start doing some YouTube videos that show some of the prototypes we've developed and get some feedback on them. Now, I, I got to ask uh, about, I mean, some of the, the the backlash on shiny bells and whistles. Do you get people in the city going, why are, why is Manor doing this? You know, <laughs> what what is this? What is the bottom line? This doesn't get the police cars, uh, you know, to my house faster or the potholes fixed. What do you get criticism like that? We haven't really. Uh, we've been fortunate. We haven't had a lot of criticism, and uh, I think that's been partly because we have, uh, you know, very proactive council that uh, is good about going out and telling people what we're doing. We use our local newspaper to put out information and to make sure that people are aware of the technologies that we're doing. I mean, we've had people that have had questions, and um, you know especially about, you know, how much do these funky barcodes cost us? And when you show them that yeah. the bottom line, you actually made money off of these barcodes, 
that um, really helps to deter it. I mean, our offices are always open. We have a very good atmosphere. If anyone has any questions, they can call, they can email us. We're very accessible. We've got, you know, we're on Facebook. Um, and, you know, if you check out the City Manager's Facebook page, we've had some people that have criticized the council for decisions. And, you know, we're quick to respond and explain exactly, you know, why the city had to do something so that way people know that the government's working for them, not against them. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I guess that probably one of your your advantages, although you have the disadvantages of trying to to, to budget and and things, but the flip side, those of forced innovation, and then you're small enough that you've got your city council, your city manager, and your IT department all on the same page, and and I think that's probably a challenge for for many larger organizations. Absolutely, it's hard to show value, um, especially when you get politics in the mix. And I know that you know if there's any other IT people listening to this, they absolutely understand that um, it's very hard to show value. And we've had projects shot down because of politics. Uh, fortunately, it hasn't been from our council, but it's been from other agencies that we worked with. So politics is definitely an issue. But I think you know the bottom line. I always try to show value, and I always try to remind people um, with our technology that. You know, our ultimate goal is to serve our citizens and to serve our constituents. And I think everyone in uh, Maynard, we've been fortunate, all of our staff understands that. And they see that uh, what we're doing brings value, and uh, they look for, you know, different ways that they can add to that. So we've been very fortunate in that regard. And our size has definitely been a great benefit to us because we've been, you know, small enough to, uh, to really get things done without a lot of red tape, but big enough to be a good test bed for a lot of this technology. Um, and what are some? Can you discuss any of the projects that you've tried that have failed, and how you you guys handled that? How do you handle going from the the ideas phase to implementation, and knowing whether an idea is, is good or not, whether it deserves to survive? Well, um, on the new Mater Labs platform, basically, like I mentioned, ideas go through stages, and so once it gets to a validation stage, a department head um, for whatever idea that department was submitted under, like if it was a IT related idea, I would review it and um, then provide feedback on that. And uh, ultimately, all the department heads sit down and we decide, you know, is this something we want to look at? How can we help steer this in the right direction? I mean, we've had some ideas that have been amazing. Uh, Let me pull up some of them. Like uh, we've had a a ticket reminder and warrant notice where, uh, you know, a lot of times police agencies will collect a cell phone number of, you know, an individual they stop, but nothing ever happens to that information. And so we had an officer um, suggest an idea to uh, have an SMS reminder sent out the individual reminding them, you know, five days before their appearance date, you know, here's something that, you know, you need to take care of within five days. And then, you know, another one that, uh, you know, sends a text message out or an email out right before a warrant's issued. So people know, you know, just in case it slipped their mind. And that's one of the ideas. It's like, it's great, but we got to figure out a way to pay for it. And so that's something, you know, we sit down, all the department heads sit down, we kind of have an innovation meeting, and we go around the room and we talk about, you know, how can we steer this idea in the right direction? How can we you know, add to this idea, how can we expand it? And so we, you know, we'll comment on it. We'll come up with some of our own ideas on creative ways to pay for it. Because the bottom line is, you know, the city of Maynard, or the way most cities work is, you know, you budget a year in advance. And so ideas are great, but you haven't budgeted to implement the idea. So you have to be creative with how you go about that on every idea. And a lot of our innovations, um, you know, we do, we basically, uh, you know, the bottom line number is, a positive. Um, we haven't really had to expend any money for any of our ideas, which has been a great uh, benefit. But we've had to make some creative partnerships to get it done, um, and that's something that now the citizens and uh, people, you know, all over the U.S. can help out with. Um, you know, if they know a company that, you know, needs a 
you know, a good city to test out their software or some creative way to pay for it uh, without going through the budgetary process, you know, that's kind of what we're looking for. And what kind of interactions have you had with other cities about about Manor Labs or about uh, you're talking about uh, the QR codes are, are pretty well developed and you're getting some some uh, definite crossover with that. Did Manor Labs spring out of some of that collaboration, or, or is it something that came straight out of Manor and now you're seeing other cities take interest? I think you know Manor Labs was kind of a unique. Uh, case it kind of came straight out of Manor. We were looking for a way to build engagement, and uh, you know a lot of things that we do in Manor were the first one to do it. So people think we're either crazy or that we're geniuses. Um, most of the time, it's the crazy side. So that you know is kind of the open innovation side. Which for government, you know, open innovation is a scary topic because it's given more power to the people. But you know, frankly, that's where the power belongs. Um, and when people drive the innovation process, some amazing results come out of it. So Maynard Labs was kind of born out of, uh, you know, that mindset and that philosophy in Maynard. And um, now we're, you know, in talks with other agencies to try to, you know, help them use it and to get involved. And, you know, we know that people aren't just going to go and implement something right off the bat. Politics prevents that. But they can participate in our platform. They can use it. They can, uh, you know, go on and test it out. They can vote for ideas, comment on them, and, you know, use that really as a basis to uh, collaborate. And so that's kind of what we're looking at now. And, you know, then if other cities – start popping out with their own, you know, different lab websites, you know, city, some city labs, that's great, that's great, um, and that's a sign that, you know, it was it was a success, because we're not really concerned about the, uh, you know, publicity or anything behind it, you know, the bottom line is we want to make sure that other agencies that are smaller have access to this technology and know that there's other ways besides financing technology, there's other creative ways that you can do, you just have to kind of think outside of the box, and I know there's a lot of people out there, too, that have amazing ideas and that, you know, are just restricted by the politics or by the bureaucracy that's in their agency. So uh, I'm quick to say that, you know, Maynard is just one player at the table to a lot of people that have, you know, great ideas and that have probably thought of this, you know, same type of open innovation for cities. So we're just, you know, helping, I guess, bring some of those ideas to the front and to the forelight, and that's all we're really concerned about is, you know, helping others that get caught up in the red tape get their ideas implemented. And that way, you know, if a city sees this, that, you know, there's another city that implemented the idea, they can go, okay, well, you know, it worked in Maynard, so we'll take a look at it. You know, we want to share, as as this platform is very new, it's only 30 days old, we want to make sure that we share, you know, the analytics, all the statistics, everything on the back end with other cities so they know, you know, it's really worked for Maynard or it hasn't worked for Maynard. So we'll definitely share both sides of that. Now, so you're using this, this spigot technology. It seems like it's, it's similar in concept to things like user voice or uh, uh, I'm blanking on the other name, but these Bright platforms. Idea, yeah. What, what, what was the one? That there's Bright Idea, user voice. There's a lot of different uh, platforms to crowdsource different processes. Now, what drew me to Spigot, and I did a lot of research on different platforms, is that Spigot had a built-in function that we could reward people for their participation. And, uh, and I looked at it after I read an article by the Institute for the Future, um, and they uh, I can't remember the author, but they wrote an article called The Engagement Economy. And it was about, you know, there's different platforms that are put up all the time that try to, you know, harness or crowdsource different things, or, you know, there's different farm towns and different, you know, type of Web 2.0 technologies, and they're all competing for your time. Uh, we're not giving more time to these different platforms. They're competing for our time. And so, you know, 
rewarding people for their participation and trying to uh, encourage people to participate was an important element, and that's what drew me to Spigot is that, you know, they had that built into the platform, and uh, we can very easily reward people uh, down to the vote. You know, if someone votes for an idea, they get 250 points, uh, or 250 bucks as we call it, and then they can take those bucks and they can, you know, trade them in for products. Um, they can invest in ideas. So you can go and you can invest in one of my ideas to uh, convert all, uh, all, of, all of our GIS maps to uh, Google Earth. <laughs> and, uh, and if the idea is implemented, people are paid out at uh, $100 or $100 bucks um, a share that they own in that idea. So it's basically, you know, taking innovation and applying like a farm town or farmville method to it and making it fun, making it, you know, something that's not tedious, something that's not boring, something that's not... You know, you have to go and sit there, and uh, you know our employees that participate. And we've had people. Uh, there's one employee that I swear, when he gets home, you know, from 10 o'clock to midnight, he's just submitting idea after idea after idea, or commenting, <laughs> and you know, all kinds of things. And it's not because they're being pushed; it's because it's fun to them. And finally, they have a platform that they can voice all of these things that, you know, apparently that have been held up inside for so long, and now they have a way that they can, you know, voice it, and and we can actually act upon it and answer their questions, and you know, help them and increase efficiency in their department. And um, do you see a lot of ideas coming, too, from outside of the city, or, or right now is it mostly city folks who are, who are submitting these ideas? We've had some ideas come from outside of the city. We've had um, some researchers at Stanford helping uh, to submit some ideas about what's going on in, uh, like, the city of Palo Alto, California, and some other cities. Um, so we're hoping that that grows, um, and we always tell people, you know, it's not restricted to just Mainer residents, and people sometimes feel a little uncomfortable about submitting an idea for a town that's not their own town. Uh, but, you know, everyone has a piece of knowledge that they can bring to the table and they can share. And so, you know, if you have an idea, submit it, because uh, it may be something that saves the city of Mainer a lot of money, and it may be something that you can say, you know, my idea worked in Mainer, why can't it work in my town? So you have some ammo to go back to your own community and say, you know, this idea helped revolutionize Mainer. Um, or, you know, some process in Mainer. And, uh, and, you know, we're willing to share whatever information about the idea. Um, it's all going to be open information. Um, it's all, you know, basically going to be public knowledge. And that's our goal, to make the information accessible to everyone so they can take it and use it however they want. Now, um, one of the things you always look at when you're trying to use collaborative technologies is how do you, you know, you've got a great platform, how do you get people engaged? And it's interesting, you've got our award system built in, which I'm a big fan of uh, GovLoop, and one of the things that, that got me really engaged right from the start was the uh, reward system for inviting people and participating and uh, ranking system. And, I, you know, people can make fun of, of that, but those systems do seem to work to some extent. Absolutely. Uh, or at least on some people. Um, what, what are the challenges and, and how have you tackled the challenges, you know, culturally of getting people to engage? I guess it's great to have a supportive city council, a supportive newspaper, but uh, do you think their award system is a big part of it? And, and what else have you done? To get people on the platform, I think the reward system is, is a good element once they see the platform and the value behind it. Uh, because it, just like GovLoop, you know, you get rewarded for recruiting and for, you know, inviting members, for reviewing ideas and for voting. Um, but, you know, the, the real hurdle is getting them on the platform to start out with. So what we do, you know, as a part of the reward system is when you sign up, you get 25000 no bucks that you can use to invest in ideas. You can, you know, do whatever you want with them. Um, so you kind of start out with a, a sign-on bonus is what we say. So, um, 
and then we also go around and we talk, you know, to different civic organizations, and we say, you know, here's what we're doing. You know, here's some of the ideas that have been submitted. Um, and now, like on our, you know, Facebook page, if someone, the most common request we get is for um, a big box store like an HEB or a Walmart, because Maynard actually doesn't have a grocery store. And so now, you know, we direct them directly to that idea, and they can, you know, voice on, you know, voice whatever opinions they have on that idea and help contribute to that idea. And so now it's a unified platform instead of, you know, copy and pasting a blanket reply to each individual that asks when we're going to get, you know, a big box store. We can say, you know, here's the idea. You're welcome to go, and you can comment on, you know, voice your opinion. And here's, you know, some of the initiatives the city's taken to try to secure a big box store. So that's, I think that's great. Yeah, I think that one of the huge things you can do is just have those those places where people can go and discuss an idea instead of you sending an email each time. Dustin, um, we're just about out of time here. I wanted to thank you very much uh, for joining us. And uh, so it's, it's manorlabs.org.com? Uh, .org, manorlabs.org. Um, manorlabs.org. And Dustin Heisler, CIO of Manor, thanks for all the GovTua work you do, and thanks for joining us. Okay, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be on the show. All right, and we'll be back next week with uh, Ben Berkowitz uh, from C-Click Fix. Thank you, folks, for joining us for Gov2O Radio.